0: Welcome to Talking Flutes, and my guest today is John Paul Wright via Zoom. Hello, John Paul.
1: Hello, Claire, and how are you this fine day?
0: I'm very, very well. I thought we would continue a little bit from where we left off in our, from our New Year's podcast, which was musings or sound bites to help us create inspiration ideas and maybe goals for 2023.
1: That's a good idea. Musings, noodlings, doodlings, boodlings, woodlings, all the oodlings, huh?
0: Yeah. So I was thinking, I thought up a sort of a list of headings for things that I might want to do for a start of a new year or to plan ahead, maybe. So, for example, learn to shape your sound, warming up, getting back into practice. Why play scales? That's a good one. Influence of teachers. Should we set goals at all? But we did do that a little bit in the last pod. Do we need teachers? Do we need lessons? Yeah. You well, know.
1: Can I start with, that? there's one I'd love to start with, Claire. What's that? Warming up. Warming up. <laughs> Warming up. Why can't you just get the old hooter out and just honk
0: it? Well, yes, you can. I mean, you, absolutely you can. I would think that if you've got a long practice session ahead of you, you've got to have a little bit of time where you warm up in order to last the time. If you've just got a short amount of time, of course, put your flute together and just play. We talked in the last podcast, play for fun, play for joy. You could do that all the time, of course. But if you want to get the best out of your practice, then warming up really will help you. And it's very similar to sports people that, you know, if you're an athlete and you run the 100 metres, you don't just go and run the 100 metres. You warm up, you do stretching exercises, you do little jogs. And between running, you might do, go to the gym and do weights and various exercises. But before you run the 100 meters, you can be very careful that you don't do damage so you warm up.
1: But we only have um, lips. That's all we have is our lips and our, our throat's always well, there.
0: No, no, I disagree. We've got your whole, you've got your whole body because you've got your, the only way we produce sound on a flute is by the air so we've got to think about breathing how we breathe making sure that you're using your the, the right muscles to breathe and you know and, and that you're you're able to expand your lungs and then expel the air uh, as well so it's a lot of the problems in flute playing stem from poor posture and poor breathing and so it's good to go and have a little assessment reassessment of where you are to make sure that you're Your posture is good to enable your breathing to be good. And that's Minnie wanting to go out now. So I'm going to put you on pause, JP, while I go and let her out. One second. So I'm sorry about my dogs. This is the second podcast that they're trying to be part of it. Um, (laughs) What we're talking about, we're talking about warming up. So yes, posture, breathing, good posture, good breathing equals good sound. So warming up is not just, blowing a long note warming up is thinking about how you stand how you stand in relation if you're going to use music to your music stand how you put your flute up if you're sitting down not just standing up and then thinking about the breathing you can do breathing exercises before you pick your flute up so there's many ways that you can you can warm up and you could do something different every day you don't have to do the same thing We often talk about doing long notes, which can be very boring for some people, but why not just play a beautiful tune in the low register? We've talked about that before in the past. Just a very simple low register tune, make one up even better and um, just have fun with it and gradually get get your embouchure working. The other thing at this time of year, of course, is that it's so cold being in the middle of winter. If your fingers are cold, they don't move. The same as if your embouchure is cold, it it doesn't move properly. But a really good trick is just to run your hands under hot water for a few seconds. Almost as hot as you can manage. And then you find your fingers fly all over the place. It's wonderful. So that's good. You could also have fingerless gloves to help keep your hands warm. And it's really very important to be warm when you play. So wrap up as much as you can. Because you only have to have movement in your fingers and your embouchure your ribs as well so nothing too tight and that should help you in in the cold weather and that helps with your warming up
1: posture 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 it's okay there's a lot said about posture and the right posture for, for flute players and we're going to cover teachers and teaching later but say that you're coming back to flute playing how do you realign your body so that your posture is correct
0: It's very much similar whether you're sitting down or standing up, in that the flute needs to be out at an angle, about 45 degrees from the end of your flute to your right shoulder. And so you have to turn your head slightly to the left when you put your flute up and take your flute to your head, not your head to your flute. And so there's a space between the end of your flute and your right shoulder. And if you're going to sit down, you keep that angle And then you think about the music stand has to go in front of your face, not in front of where your feet are facing.
1: How about your spine? How straight?
0: We always say to be upright, but not leaning back. You need to be supported by your hips. So you think of a line going down through your shoulder, through your hips, through your ankles, and not to lock your knees. So that you keep sort of bouncy, almost, almost sort of on your toes to keep, it, keep yourself sort of loose. So we, we often talk about being relaxed. It's a very important thing, you know, tension stops movement. So if your fingers are tense, they won't move. If your embouchure is tense, if you've got a tight embouchure, it, it won't be flexible. So keep nice and relaxed and try and eliminate any tension should it, should it arise. So if you, if you stand very upright and lock your knees, that's not a relaxed pose. Sometimes you'll be more relaxed sitting down. So you could try that.
1: Do you remember in the last podcast I spoke about my mate Dave, the piano player? (laughs) How could I forget? (laughs) Well, Dave, Dave also says he has to warm up because just like you've said, his fingers, they can't function straight away. So he has to slowly warm them up so that they all start working weebly wobbly like, like flute players. But we we sort of, our fingers move acrosswards, his goes downwards. So dear old Dave, even Dave, if Dave has to warm up, then everybody should have to warm up. How about sound, Claire? I mean, for me, that is the most critical function of playing the flute, because I think anyone can play fast. The flute's been invented to play fast.
0: One of the most important things I would say to people is that we should all learn to shape our sound. Now, what I mean shape, it's it's very similar to sports like tennis, football, golf, where the top players are able to shape their shots. So imagine tennis, you've got various ways you spin the ball, which create different effects. And that makes their playing more varied, Their technique more varied, which means they're more accomplished and they win more games. So by shaping or changing the sounds we make, we add interest, variety, depth of sound. And there, there are so many ways to shape the sound. So by the dynamic, the vibrato, the colors you use, that's really what I would, if there was one thing I'd say to everyone to really pay attention to this year, it's think about the shapes because the shapes make us more interesting. You can't play expressively without shaping the sound because playing expressively and communicating the composer's wishes is all about shape. You know, if you've got, if you see a crescendo or a diminuendo, that's shaping the sound. So rather than playing in a monotone, we've got to uh, learn to shape to create a multicolored world. So that's really what I mean by shaping the sound. But there's many, many ways you can do it in terms of colors. And by colors, also we've talked about this a lot before in the past. Colors, I just by colors, I just mean the different types of sound you can get on your flute. The different textures. I use colour because it switches on my creative juices when I think of colour.
1: I use uh, chocolate. Horse- I use chocolate, Claire. I think you know. And
0: food. That. <laughs> I was going to say food is also good. Food is also very, very good. You know, if you want to play like green custard, then that's fine.
1: <laughs> as usual, you, you take it the opposite extreme. That's normally me that does that.
0: Or, or blue chocolate. That's <laughs> absolutely fine. And it's not so much that it it doesn't actually mean anything, but it might help you change something in your setup that shapes the sound so i would say start with with dynamics because dynamics immediately give you shape now of course one of the problems of dynamics is that you can play out of tune so you've really got to listen to the intonation dynamics will shape and create more interest in what you're doing and think about first of all just doing simple things doing a a crescendo or doing a diminuendo and then think about where you're going are you going to from piano to forte or piano to fortissimo or pianissimo to mezzo piano think of where you're going to or where you're coming from maybe it's fortissimo down to forte and see if you can grade the dynamics so that you know where your parameters are because it's no good saying play dynamics like a piano player would have dynamics because they've got such a vast dynamic range compared to us or a trumpet player or a piccolo player as a as a, as a flutist we have to find where our parameters are for our dynamic range and then make sure we use them and and sometimes you've got to say there's there's a, a lot of negativity at the moment about a lot of very accomplished players but they just play loud and I would say always save something in reserve, whether it's the biggest fortissimo you've got or the biggest pianissimo you've got. Keep it in reserve for a really, really special moment. Don't give us everything all at once. You know, it's, it should be a lovely variety of, of dynamics. And so save the extremes for the special moments because then it makes more impact.
1: I like the fact that you said when you're shaping the sound remember where you're coming from because it's very easy when you're playing a piece of music to always be looking ahead and focusing ahead and almost forgetting the dynamics the tonal colors that have been following previously so there's no seamless movement into shaping that sound
0: yeah no absolutely I think A lot of us are guilty of just playing without thought. Maybe just spend, if you had one practice session where you're more mindful of the dynamics, just pick one aspect. Because there's often so many things going around on our head that we can't really sort anything out. So maybe if you just concentrated on one session on dynamics and be more mindful of what you're doing with them and see where that takes you. Then look at maybe the music you're playing and look at what the extremes are within the piece. if you're playing a piece of Baroque music, chances are you haven't got triple piano and triple forte. So restrict yourself within that piece. But if you're playing a piece of Stockhausen, you'll have quadruple piano and quadruple forte. It's different according to what you're playing. Don't give us everything on every single piece. If you were to go and listen to lots of flute players, whether it's on YouTube or going to concerts or a flute convention, sometimes you'll find a lot of players are guilty of just playing loud. Might be fabulous, beautiful loud, beautiful sounds, wonderful technique, but it's not not music making. We're looking for the beauty in the sound, which means lots of variety. And it starts with dynamics. So that's one thing we can look at.
1: Let's look at the next thing you mentioned, which is my love, scales. I am—I've Scale. always been a scaloid. I love scales. Scales enable you your fingers to move and to ma- enable you to see passages, and your fingers almost to move through muscle memory, doesn't it?
0: You could say that all music is built up on with scales and arpeggios. They are the foundations on which our technique can grow they also help us understand and learn all the different keys you know which is hugely important which develop our oral skills and they then help us understand the structure of the music that we play so what what is a scale so a scale is a sequence and i think that we should be playing sequences more sequences in our practice to help us understand the keys and understand how keys work and how they relate to each other. So a sequence is just a pattern that can be repeated in all keys. So a scale is the most common sequence that people play. It's a pattern of notes, moving by step, that we play in all the keys. Unfortunately, scales can be the most boring. Then get creative with them, rather than not practise scales. Uh, So we are talking just a minute ago about shaping the sound. Shape your scales. Use dynamics, use colors, use vibrato. Do something to help create more interest within your scales. Or find a sequential pattern that's based on scales where you can do, again, all the same things. There are so many um, sequence books, aren't there? In fact, I did a podcast on sequences. I can't remember what number it was. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Nor can I, Claire. Oh. We've done so many podcasts now. I There's can't... so
0: many. I remember mentioning some of my favourite sequences, the Andre Macar daily exercises, the Raikert daily exercises, Philip Berneau, his technique d'embouchure. Those are some wonderful ones. And Of course, Paul Edmund Davis has got a, a book out of sequences. I just can't remember the name of it, but, but look him up. Go on, If you can go to a food shop and have a look and see what sequence books there are. I've got one called sequentials that we used to do for the technique exam of the Royal Academy. Don't know whether they still use it or not, but basically a sequence is something maybe that's more melodic. uh, So it feels a little bit more interesting than just playing a a normal scale. And you can play them in all registers. So in all keys, obviously, all speeds, vary the articulation, vary the rhythms, um, the speeds and the keys, make them sound beautiful, play them as if they are the most beautiful tunes. And that certainly goes for scales. And with any sequence, do not sacrifice the sound for speed. It's, I can't tell you how many times when I've done the scale exams at various colleges and you just hear someone whizzing up and down as fast as they can. Same in auditions. You know, you say, play me a scale. We used to say for the auditions, pick any scale you want. So generally, almost everyone would say, okay, G major. And they would play so fast and so unclear and so unrhythmic. So if you're going to play a scale, do not sacrifice the sound for speed. Create your sound, create a shape, find a color. So if you're playing a major scale, make it sound different to a minor scale and do something. So do something different with it. Make it feel like you're playing a beautiful piece of music. That's really the key. A scale is a piece of music, not just an exercise that we have to do.
1: And remember in the New Year podcast, you were talking about jazz and we should also look at patterns in jazz blues patterns and dominant sevenths and all the um, augmented fifths and all these other little patterns that they use using in jazz because that takes yeah. you off out of this square because we said didn't we new year's anti-resolution was was to not be confined within a shape to be a cloud a wispy cloud rather than, yeah. than a, a lump of thunder yeah
0: so if you just did if you think of chords two five seven one yep. if you just played a scale from, based from the second note of the chord to the fifth, second note of the scale to the fifth note of the scale going back to the tonic and mess around with that. I used to have a book with a CD that was two, five, seven, one and you you you've got a backing group behind you and you just played in all different keys based on those three chords. It was fascinating because you don't look quite where you're going to be taken, but it makes you think in a very different way. So, yeah, so boot out some jazz books. Go and just look at some jazz tutor books and see how interesting they make scales, because they're a lot more interesting than the classical flutist, I can tell you.
1: Well, yeah, because if you listen to jazz, it's basically scales sort of deconstructed. Yeah. It's very rarely you go along and listen to this lyrical, beautiful aria... It's sort of they it just comes out, doesn't it? When in free jazz or in when they're improvising, they have a chordal structure, but within that it is just completely free.
0: Yeah. We were talking also on the last podcast about improvising or playing, have free play to bring you joy. Now, why not play if you've got to play a scale, play it freely. So mix it up. So think of some different rhythms, different different tempo within it different and we've talked about different dynamics different colors different vibrato and maybe do it in stages go up a bit come down and go back up again so you do sort of a gradual climbing scale you make a pattern of your own using the scales it doesn't have to be regimented it doesn't have to be the same every time you play it
1: and it's the getting the creativity within that structure that forms this lasting love with something that I really didn't like when I was younger having to go through all the grade structures here in the UK was the scales of the bit I really hated and yet by messing around and by sort of by changing how I viewed a scale I came to mm. really really like them
0: yeah absolutely so yes our our, our flute exams progress giving you more and more scales each each grade and it's not very exciting And so not many people want to play them. Find other sequences that use scales. And the other very important thing here is that there's a lot more information these days about damage to your ears, especially from playing in the high register. And of course, if you're just playing standard scales, extended scales up to B or C or D, then you can, you know, without knowing it, you could be damaging your ears. So, first of all, get, if you're doing a lot of top register practice, get yourself fitted out for special musician earplugs that will then protect you from those high harmonics. But also, maybe with your scales, don't always practice that standard scale from the bottom up three octaves back down again. Just do a sequence of the top notes for a little bit of your practice, just for a few minutes and then do less extended scales for the rest of the time. So don't always play these huge extended scales, do another type of sequence that works on that top register so that your ears are a little bit more protected. Should
1: we banish top D's and top E's from our our performing repertoire? I mean, how often did you ever have to play a top D or even a little bit higher?
0: Top D is quite common and but I used to call, say, D for damage, mm. because certainly it, all my scale exams when I was a student, you know, you always had to zoom up to D. And I just felt it damaged everything I did because, you know, you spend your the early part of the scale worrying about getting your D out because it will never sound as nice as any of the other notes. So I would rather have a sequence that just works on that top register. Rather than have the whole scale go up to there, there's a lot of contemporary music, and a lot of contemporary composers who might not understand the flute so well like to throw in these really high notes without a thought to how they're actually produced. I think it can do it can do a lot of damage. But when I was talking earlier about dynamics, keeping the extra special quiet or the extra special loud for a really good effect, you know, save them for those moments where you really need to make a, a strong impact. A lot of composers who really understand the flute, they do use the top very high notes for effect. So you might have a, something that is a real flourish ending on a top E or D. Isn't it the Boulez that ends on a top E? I've forgotten now.
1: Well, a top E and- was always, always sounded like a top F for me because I was so sharp. And that's the problem <laughs> I have with the high notes.
0: Yeah, but they are sharp. And if you try and get them in tune by blowing down, sometimes they don't come out and you change your technique too much. And the strain of getting these high notes, if you're not used to it, means it damages the embouchure shape for the lower octaves, which is why I think you should separate that third octave as a separate practice so it doesn't damage your lower two octaves. Because you see a lot of people, they start, they do an extender scale and you can hear in the, the low and the middle registers that they're worried about the top before they get there. It's something I've always been concerned about and most of the time students don't have a choice because it's, it's part of the curriculum that you have to do an extended scale shooting up to the top and in the grade exams we have generally, the, the, the boards that we have in the UK. It's a pity because I think it does cause a little bit of damage.
1: Do you think we've, uh, we've done enough musings? I
0: think we probably have done enough musings, or whittlings. Or oh, doodlings or noodlings. I, I, I did like that,
1: noodlings. You said that in the last podcast. I'm using Noodling. that a lot now. Noodling. You, can you noodle on anything? Noodling's not just playing the flute, is it? You can noodle on, with a pen, can you? And write and...
0: You can. That's doodle, yeah. doodle. Doodle noodle noodles. It's like doodle. You see, all of us doodle with you know even, you know you're sitting you're a bit bored you got a, you've got paper in front of you and a, and, a, and a pen or a pencil most of us do a few doodlings
1: yeah what do you so do what do you doodle do you doodle the same thing
0: no no always different
1: i don't know what it is if i'm doodling i sort of do a pyramid and i sort of do sticky things coming out and it's, it's i think it's really weird and it's really sort of strange certainly if i if i'm in a meeting sort of financial meeting yeah. or something then my doodling noodling woodling poodlings are very, very different, depending on whether I'm how bored I am at the time.
0: Yeah, no, I do, I do triangles too, and I do overlapping circles, and then I start shading in different parts of the circles. Oh. And you can definitely take that into your flute playing.
1: You do a Venn diagram. They do. <laughs> Claire doodles a Venn diagram. It couldn't have been any different, could it? <laughs> <laughs> it's been a pleasure being invited back on, Claire.
0: You're very, very welcome.
1: We're getting very close to 250 pods now, aren't we?
0: I know it's getting a lot, but we still would like people to tell us what they would like us, what they would like to hear. We talked at the back end of last year about still being relevant, and um, someone did write in and said, "Yeah, keep doing what you're doing," and they didn't mind about us repeating stuff. But it's nature of the beast; really. we will repeat ourselves.
1: Well, I've, I have a habit of that. The older I get, the more I repeat. It's my short-term memory's going, my lady.
0: We will keep going until till someone t- tells us to stop, won't we?
1: Oh, please do. Please do. And I can go and do something less boring in se- instead. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, thanks very much, JP. Thank you. And uh, just our normal reminder to have a look at our Facebook page, Talking Flutes. Messages there or Instagram, Twitter, at Flute, at Claire Flute, and email flutepodcast at gmail.com. Many thanks, JP. A joy as always, my lady. Take care, everybody. Bye.
1: Bye.